Yeah, today is the last day of the year, and it seems to add a more special meaning to this Sunday service. Uh, for some of you, time may seem to pass so quickly when you reflect on your life. For others, this year may seem too long if you have been overwhelmed by heavy burdens. How has this year been for you? Was this year different from last year, as you had hoped at the beginning? This year, we have experienced a lot of joy, sorrow, concerns, various life issues, or events, communally and individually. There have been birth of new babies, young people exploring better options for their future, after graduation, immigrants looking for a new life, families who have lost loved ones, new spiritual family members who have joined, others who have left for different reasons, and individuals facing relational health or financial difficulties. Many things have happened. Reflecting on your life, a question may arise in your mind. Is my life really that different from others in the world? Our life is full of ups and downs, just like theirs. It seems that what is happening in their lives is also happening in ours. You may still want to answer, it is different because God is with us. Yes, that is true. My question is, how much do you feel that way in your real life? This past Sunday during the Christmas Eve service, we celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus, as the true salvation, came into this world bringing hope, love, joy, and peace. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, says, Grace and peace to you from, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He offers this greeting in many of his letters. Do you experience that grace and peace? If not, why is that? This morning, as we conclude this year on its last day, rather than exploring a whole new theme, let's take time to remind ourselves of the grace and peace that the Lord provides so that you may enjoy his blessings in the coming year. Today's uh, scripture passage is Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servant of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, grace, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, 
I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I love all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God, the word of the Lord. We often plan and go on trips when we want. No one quits their job or sells their house to dedicate all their time, energy, and money to travel. This is because they know that their travel is just a temporary journey. And the place where, where they will continue to live is where their home is. When making plans, we carefully consider when to leave, when to return, what to do during the trip, and how much budget to allocate. Because it is just a part of our life, a momentary experience in the context of the broader timeline of our lives. So we see and wisely plan from a perspective that considers the continuity of our life. For Christians, life on earth is significant, but from an eternal perspective, it is a short part of our eternal life. The place where we will continue to live is our ultimate home, the kingdom of God. God always sees us and guides us toward himself from an eternal perspective. If someone focuses solely on their trip, using all they have, you'll think they need help before it is too late. Their limited view of life could lead to big challenges and cause a lot of troubles. They won't be able to continue their life. You may think, no one, no one would live like that. Yes, but spiritually, many Christians live like that. If you focus, on, focus only on life on earth, your view of life, the way that you use your time, energy, and resources would be exactly the same as people in the world. You won't care about God and others. We'll use them only to please yourself and lift yourself up. 
but you still won't find true peace because they cannot feel the emptiness within you. God knows what you need and will guide you, considering your eternal, li eternal life as well. If you see things from your earthly perspective, you may wonder why God is leading you to a particular direction or allowing something to happen that you don't understand. Whatever you do in this life, in order to understand the way that God is guiding you and to walk with him in peace, you also need to see, think, and live from his eternal perspective with the help from the Lord. Let's think about the differences between God's priorities and human priorities in the story of the Israelites. In Exodus, God made a way for Israelites to be free from slavery in Egypt, to guide them to the promised land. They had to live in the wilderness for 40 years to enter the land. It was a very long transition period. But do you remember that it could have been much shorter than 40 years? It could have been two years if they were faithful and obedient to God. In Numbers chapter 13, the Israelite fam uh, finally arrived at Kadesh Barnea, which bordered the promised land of Canaan, and encamped there after a two-year-long journey since God led them out of Egypt. After the 12 spies scoped out the land and the people there, the Israelites chose to believe the pessimistic report from 10 of them. God decided that he would not let the unbelieving generation of people enter the land and would accomplish his purpose through the next generation who would be prepared to trust and faithfully follow his leading. Their journey was not only about getting to the promised land, but also about becoming God's faithful people in their right relationship with him. But the Israelites were more interested in getting better food, a comfortable living environment, satisfying their desires, and safety in their eyes. This led them to continually complain to God. His purpose and priorities for the journey was different from theirs. During the 40 years in the wilderness, the Israelites received and practiced the word of God, experienced his grace, and often learned valuable lessons through their failures. Life in the desert was extremely difficult. They had to totally trust in God and rely on him. Throughout the journey, God wanted to wash, wash away 
the sinful natures and lifestyles that they grew accustomed to in Egypt. In order to bring them out of unbelief and into faith and to transform them into his people. God set you free from slavery of sin. And now you are journeying in the wilderness toward the kingdom of God. Are your purpose and priorities for your life aligned with God's? Or are you still more interested in satisfying your own desires, needs, like the Israelites? Is your prayer still like this? Lord, I really want this. I think it is going to change my life. Please give this to me. Lord, it takes a long time. Can you make it happen earlier? Your life is not about getting a ticket to get what you want. Your life is about giving and loving in your relationship with the Lord and others, which requires a complete transformation of your heart. If there are differences in the purpose and priorities of your life, between you and God. Finding peace may be challenging until yours align with His. If you have the same priorities as God's, your prayer would be like this. Lord, what is your will in this situation? Let me know what I should change in my life. What do you want me to do? Let me trust you and faithfully wait for your time. As verse 6 in today's passage says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is not possible, but let's suppose the person you love expresses a desire to spend some time with someone else, adding, I still love you. Their relationship will be immediately broken, leading to conflict and tensions between them. This is because it is not Love. The relationship between Christ and the church is compared to the relationship between a bridegroom and a bride. But many Christians attempt to love both God and the world. This is not love. There will be constant tensions between God and them with no peace. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. When you love anything or anyone other than God, or when you try to love both God and other things at the same time, 
It won't work. They will gradually shape your values and thoughts. They will determine your life and take more attention from you. You will invest more time and energy for them. Will and gradually drift away from the Lord, who is ultimate peace. That is why God wants to draw you near to the near to Him. Be the center of your lives, and be the only one that you love. We all for sure of the glory of God. This world we live in is sinful and broken. So God does not promise life to be without failures and troubles. We, we become anxious and worried when things seem go wrong in our eyes. Actually, God often allows us to fail to, for divine purposes. In the Lord, our failure is not final or fatal because God turns our failures into his great victories. The Bible is full of stories about people from all the different walks of life who had failed like us. From Adam and Eve, Major biblical figures like Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, Paul, and so on. They had all experienced the failures, but also experienced the grace of God. Moses is one of the key figures in the Bible, but he initially expressed the doubt and reluctance when he was called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, seeking reassurance and signs. He also struggled with anger and leadership responsibilities as he led the Israelites. But the Lord completed his work in Moses. Elijah is one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. But he revealed his weaknesses in the midst of his service. Following the dramatic confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah faced fear and discouragement, fleeing from Queen Jezebel and expressing a desire for death. He struggled with a sense of isolation, feeling alone his devotion to God. But the Lord still completed his work in Elijah. We remember that both Moses and Elijah appeared alongside Jesus during his transfiguration on the mountain. Peter, one of the disciples of Christ, exposed his human weakness throughout his journey. 
One of them is Peter's denier. Peter denied Jesus three times. We can see Peter's mind for Jesus and how much he was gripped by fear. All the others ran away. The Peter still followed Jesus after his rest. He was afraid that Jesus would die. And he, he was also fearful for his own life. So he kept some distance. We may find ourselves in a situation similar to Peter's. Why we love the Lord, there are times when you may attempt to keep some distance from the Lord, especially when His ways seem challenging or different from our hopes and expectations. Right after Peter disowned Jesus three times, Peter down and wept bitterly. After that failure, he felt so embarrassed and ashamed and thought, I'm no good to Jesus anymore. And Jesus must be done with me. He was disappointed with himself. Gave up and went back to fishing. But before this incident, Jesus predicted Peter's Peter's denier, and also says something important to Peter. Luke 22, verses 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as a wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. It was not just a prediction about Peter's denier. Jesus revealed to Peter that Satan had asked for permission to sift the disciples like a wheat. Jesus could have protected Peter and not allow Satan to do that. But Jesus had a bigger picture for his divine purpose. In verse 33, Peter said to Jesus with with confidence, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. But Jesus knew how he would act and the path and path he needs to take for strength and growth in faith. The Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. The path he is leading us on is the one allowed and secured by Jesus Christ for our benefit and his glory.
We know that Peter became one of the founding leaders of the early church in Jerusalem. In 50 days after his biggest failure, on the day of Pentecost, Peter boldly stepped out in faith and proclaimed the gospel to the crowd in Jerusalem. 3,000 people accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior that day. Peter even died for God's kingdom later. The Lord did that great work through Peter, who betrayed him but was transformed and strengthened by the Lord, regardless of how terribly he failed. The Lord turned Peter's greatest failure into his great victory. Each one of us comes from different walks of life for different roles and purposes given by the Lord. We all fall short of the glory of God. There is no exception. Experiencing frustration, failures, regret, shame, or pain is inevitable in this sinful world. But do not allow them to keep you holding back and make you depressed. Jesus, out of his love and grace, came to us, died on the cross, and rose from the dead to restore our relationship with God and to change our life on earth and the eternal trajectory of our future. There is no failure or tragedy greater than the grace of God. There is nothing that the Lord cannot redeem. Do not keep any distance or run away from God. There is no hope, no love, no joy, and no peace apart from the Lord. Come to the Lord. Surrender yourself to Jesus completely. He's not going to ask you, why did you betray me or disobey me or How could you do that to me? He already knows all and still loves you. A few weeks ago, when I preached about new family in new love, I said this, quote, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? It is a question that those who love more ask. Actually, it is not only a question, it's also a confession of love, unquote. So when you come to Jesus, he may ask just one question. Do you love me? As a confession of his love for you. Like Jesus did with Peter, the same Lord is closely taking care of your life and leading you through 
necessary path toward his kingdom from his eternal perspective. Jesus doesn't have a plan B for you because he has the power to complete the good work that he began in you. You will find ultimate peace in his gracious arms, a peace that only he can give. Give thanks to the Lord. As we conclude this year on its last day and step into the new year, I'd like to pray for you using Paul's prayer from today's scripture passage. Let's pray. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be, ab- you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.